The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Wanted to talk about Bitcoin today. It is on one heck of a roll. Uh, this time, three years ago, one Bitcoin was worth about $400. Now, earlier this year, like at the start of this year, one Bitcoin, I think it was worth just over $1,000. As of 2 p.m. this afternoon, one Bitcoin equals just over 15000 Canadian dollars. Wow. So what is it? Is it the wave of the future and where does it go from here? Joining us to answer some questions, Mike Brown, the Director of Innovation with ATB's Financial Transformation Team. Hi, Mike. Hey, Julian. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Now, what does uh, a Director of Innovation with the Financial Transformation Team do? Uh, get to look to the future. Look to the future, and so this is perfect uh, in this case. So when did you start um, pay atten- paying attention to Bitcoin? HB overall has been looking at, you know, cryptocurrencies and blockchain for about four or five years. More seriously, about a year and a half ago, we used, you know, blockchain technology to send, do a test um, of it, and we sent $1,000 to Germany. It took about 10 seconds to complete. Wow. Wow. So what can you explain for those who don't know? And because it, 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 it can be a little confusing. My, my kid who lives in Tokyo has some Bitcoin stuff, and he's been up to his eyeballs in this for the past couple of months. And he tried to explain it to uh, me and his dad one night, and it was like he was talking Greek. When you're, when you're talking about Bitcoin and blockchain, how does this work? What is blockchain and how does this Bitcoin work? I'll try not to speak Greek. Thank um, you. <laughs> so Bitcoin overall was originally proposed back in 2009, and its first transactions were shortly after that. So it's been around for, you know, seven or almost eight years. And really, it's a digital currency. And it really solved a problem that people have been trying to solve for years, which was, you know, how do you send funds through the Internet and avoid the potential of a double spend where somebody has funds and they spend it twice. So Bitcoin overcomes that with its underlying technology called blockchain. Okay. And basically it's this public ledger across the internet of all transactions. That's what blockchain is. Yeah. And when you're talking about mining and trying to get a Bitcoin, like how would one go about getting a Bitcoin or a portion of a Bitcoin? Yeah, so there's several different companies out there that, you know, are cryptocurrency or Bitcoin exchanges or wallets, and you can basically go on with your credit card or bank account and, you know, use your Canadian dollars to buy Bitcoin. The actual mining piece is separate. The miners are the ones who actually run the servers around the world that actually make the Bitcoin network happen. Okay. they're, They're sitting there every 10 minutes, sitting there doing heavy computational work to make it run. So if I wanted to this afternoon, let's say, um, get a portion of a, of a Bitcoin, um, and if I went through the proper channels and, you know, all that sort of stuff, would there be a Bitcoin there for me? Yeah, so there's, uh, so if you go through exchanges, you can, you can purchase it. Um, sometimes 
you know, the, the general expectation with Bitcoin is that every transaction is finalized within 10 minutes. Wow. That's kind of the frequency. But due to the popularity, <clears throat> um, the Bitcoin network itself has kind of a throughput constraint. And sometimes it can take hours or you know, even a couple of days to have transactions go through. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I think a couple of years ago when we first started talking about this on the show, there was someone from who um, started a Bitcoin company, actually, I think from, from Edmonton. He came on and he was going to give me a portion of one and he said, just follow all of this. And I never followed through on it. I think I'm kicking myself in the butt now with this one. What is fueling the growth, Mike? Yeah, so Bitcoin is kind of, you know, evolved a bit. It's definitely a, a proof of concept, so it's kind of demonstrated that this is real. Um, I forget the exact number, but a, there's a couple hundred billion dollars worth of funds out there in cryptocurrency, and you know, it really demonstrates that the system does work, that it is kind of unhackable. Um, so that part is proven. People thought it would be used more for kind of day-to-day transactions, like there's coffee shops, where mm-hmm. you can actually buy a coffee with Bitcoin. And you know, there's online retailers that let you purchase with Bitcoin. <clears throat> but that part, I think, is kind of fading away because the speculation around Bitcoin and its value. So what's happening now is Bitcoin's really being used for you know, speculative investing. So people are hoping that it's going to keep going up and they just keep buying some with the expectation that it's going to go somewhere. So they wouldn't bother buying a coffee today for $5 because tomorrow that might be worth... 10 or $20. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of changed its purpose. And so, and I don't know if you can answer this, but in, in your opinion, with the way that you're watching, because I'm reading articles today, because um, we've seen over the past few weeks, especially there's been big jumps and there's been a correction and then it goes up again and a correction and goes up again. And there was talk again today about, you know, the corrections uh, in it and, and bringing it, it back down. Is it worth what it's at right now? Or do you believe that there's going to be more cor- corrections to it? Can you answer that? I can't really um, answer it. It's, like I said, it's very speculative. There's really, <clears throat> the challenge with it is there's no underlying you know, economic model. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got a very strong economic model in that the mining produces new Bitcoin and you know, that drives, you know, helps drive the value. But there's no fundamentals. You can't sit there and look at you know, earnings or um, you know, commodity and how popular that commodity is. There's nothing really underlying it. So you know, everybody that's buying it is buying it <clears throat> based on speculation and yeah. hope that it goes up tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. And I think there was a, a news report yesterday or today talking about, hey, meet Bitcoin's latest billionaires, you know, yeah. uh, the folks that got in, I think, has, yeah. you know, as always, you know, at uh, early. Um, someone just texted in, Mike, and, and I don't know if you can answer this question I'm going to ask you, says, what's to stop someone from starting another arbitrary financial product? I guess nothing, really. Yeah, so that's where cryptocurrency, so there's, you know, last I read, there's probably over 800 different cryptocurrencies, and it's probably over 1,000 now. Bitcoin is by far the biggest. And then there's another one that's um, next in line, it's called Ethereum. Mm -hmm. But there are literally, you know, hundreds and hundreds of different cryptocurrencies where people are creating them, hoping that they can, you know, create a value system and support, you know, different transactions and different models. The, the challenge is, you know, we have a you know, traditional system, the way we run our governments, the way we have taxation, we have all these different things. And, yeah. You know, the overall regulatory market hasn't kind of caught up with, with these cryptocurrencies. And I was just reading today, like on you know, CRA's website, for example, 
you know, you're supposed to report gains from cryptocurrency. So, <laughs> you know, but who's going to issue that? Yeah. Slip for you. Interesting. Yeah, the regulatory market. I think um, you start to wonder if they even know what to what to do. I know there was there was again another article I was reading today about having to again it was reporting something but to do with Bitcoin. But as you said, it's like yeah, who's going to do that? This text came in from Smoky Lake says so is Bitcoin a stock or a storage of money? It's more a storage of value, mm-hmm. um, but again, that value can go from you know. Fifteen thousand dollars today to zero tomorrow. If there's some, you know, there's corrections that do happen due to things like the Chinese government, you know, making some statement about cryptocurrencies. They can, you know, can have a major impact. Um, there was back in August of last year or this year, there was a fork, which is kind of a <clears throat> a technical change that happens to the network. Mm-hmm. And people don't know what the overall implication is going to be when that happens. So, <clears throat> yeah, really, it's. A storage of value. Um, it's not. It's easy to send once you have money into Bitcoin. It's easy to send that money to somebody yeah. around the world, and they can receive it, assuming the system's running effectively. You know, within ten minutes. But you know, for example, one of the U.S. providers, they'll take credit card to put your money into your Bitcoin wallet, but they charge four percent to get it in. So uh. right off the gate, you're paying four percent to get in, and then. Depending on how you get the money out, again, there could be, you know, no fee or there could be a small fee to get the money out as well. So it's not completely a, you know, free and open system. There are fees for getting into and out of and... Um, again, sometimes there are free ones, but maybe they take longer. Okay. There has been talk over the years about kind of the dark side of, of Bitcoin and, you know, drug money slushing around, that sort of stuff. Um, is there any more information that you know on on that? I think it's, you know, that's really what kind of fueled the, you know, the interest early on. I think that's where criminals saw it as an opportunity to, you know, transact <clears throat> effectively, you know, whether it's, you know, around the corner or around the world, and send funds. The basic premise of Bitcoin is that it's anonymous. Yeah. So you don't need to provide your, you know, identity, but a lot of, you know, North American, you know, exchanges are now <clears throat> doing proper KYC or know your customers, so they yeah. are starting to kind of connect people's identity to their wallets. Okay. And... The tools and methods are also rapidly evolving. You know, the FBI in the U.S. are now able to kind of connect the dots on transactions. So if there are illegal things happening, they can connect it. But the criminals are also staying a couple steps ahead and finding different ways to hide the trails. As they do, Mike Brown, Director of Innovation with ATB Financial's Transformation Team, joining us this afternoon. Will Bitcoin, do you believe, have an effect on on Canadians and how they do their banking in the coming years, or only if we're a Canadian that decides to get in on it? I think that the the premise and the fundamentals of it will, but it might not be Bitcoin. Okay. It might be the again the underlying technology, and we're ATB is currently. You know, working on about five different projects using the fundamental technology of Bitcoin, mm-hmm. but not actually using Bitcoin. So there are a lot of things coming in the next couple of years that will change the way people interact with money and yeah. deal with 
things, but it's not going to be necessarily Bitcoin. Okay, because, yeah, my next question was, how, how will traditional banking institutions adapt to, to, to things like Bitcoin? Right. And that's the example I gave um, yeah. where last year we sent those funds over yeah. to Germany. And mm-hmm. that's, that was a real practical use for banks to, to do that type of transaction. So those, those models are evolving. You know, we need to be you know, sure that they work and that they're secure and, and comfortable with their operations, and that's the testing that we're doing now. Okay, very good. Uh, Mike Brown joining us this afternoon. I know you can't answer the question, should we be investi- investing in this? I'm sure you'd tell anyone. Uh, anyone listening is to do your due diligence and do plenty of research on any yep, investment. Absolutely. All right. Mike Brown, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Great. Thanks, Jalen. All right. Take care now. Mike Brown, the uh, Director of Innovation with ATB's Financials uh, Transformation Team. Bitcoin, huh? Any of you got in on this Bitcoin thing? And I'm eh, legitimately curious about it. 630-630 if you have. If you want to give me a call, 496-0060. I mentioned my son um, was totally into the Bitcoin thing. Um, this is the kid that lives in, in Tokyo and was kind of riding out that um, that that rise. It was like a jump from like 7,000 to 10,000 overnight. It's just been crazy over the past couple of weeks. But then um, in his mind, it became too volatile and said, I, I need to get out. He said he, he wasn't comfortable with, you know, the possibility of losing it all. But yeah, he was in there for, for, for quite some time uh, playing around with it. And, and, and the gains were pretty, pretty nice. But again, I guess the fall can be pretty huge as well. And again, I remember that guy that was on the show a couple of years ago offering me a piece of Bitcoin. And I never, ever took him up on it. I didn't take him up on it. Hey, Bree, you want to grab that phone call? It's 3.20 on the 6.30 Chad afternoon news. Someone says Bitcoin is terrible for the environment. Somehow, I just, and just from Smoky Lake, somehow I just enjoy the feeling of resting on the cash in the mattress. Who determines the value? Exactly. We'll take a break here, get to some uh, comments and some phone calls after this. Well, we're talking about Bitcoin and trying to understand it, and a lot of you out in Chedville confused by it all as well. There's lots of information on the internet. I was just looking at a website called Bitcoin.com. Uh, if you again, there's lots of stuff out there to read if you if you want to, if you can wrap your head around it. Number of callers coming in. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind? Hey, how are you? Well, I'm kind of conf- I'm kind of confused, Dave, but that's normal these days. Yeah, so am I. You know what? You remember a thing called React? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you, and you know what? And I was a year ago. I was offered the same thing to get into this Bitcoin or, or the cyber crypto or whatever, and it was like under a thousand dollars. I thought, I don't know. And now it's fifteen grand. I, I think, know. Oh my god. I know. But now I'm thinking, you know what? What about the poor people who get in now? And it's another Briax. Well, and and that's the thing. It's it's great if you if you get in early and it takes off. But if you're getting in at whatever you know whatever it is, yeah, you've got to have the money. You have to have the money to spend. So, what makes this any different than a pyramid scheme? I I don't I don't have the answer to that, Dave. Don't. Uh, Okay, 
I'm just, I'm, I'm confused about it. I don't know enough about it. Yeah, again, that's why I was hoping, uh, you know, that uh, Mike was going to be able to shed some more light uh, on it as well. But I'm, I'm still pretty confused. Again, like I said, my kid's been in on it, and he's tried to explain it to me. And to him, it's, like, perfectly understandable. Um, but uh, I appreciate the phone call, Dave. Thanks for that. Someone just checked. Uh, it says, um, feel free to check out Bitcoin Solutions. So it's B- btcsolutions.ca. It's a local company in Edmonton. You can buy, sell, and educate on Bitcoin. So keep in mind that one. Nathan's on the phone. Hey, Nathan. Hey, I might add to the confusion, although I'm not really sure how I'm adding, but you'll... <laughs> I mean, that itself is probably cryptic. But So I worked with a chap a few years ago who does a thing called Bitcoin mining. Yeah, yeah, they're the, miner, the miners, yeah. Blew me away. This kid had... I mean, kid, he's 25, 26-year-old man, but... He had an entire server set up in his home. Yep. And all it did 24-7 was scour the internet. Yeah. Looking for fractions of Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It is. And I mean, the only thing I don't understand is how do you get your money back once you buy it? Well, you can like, go. How do you cash in? You go in, and again, it's all. If I remember correctly, very much, it's all password. If you lose that password, you are hooped. It is gone. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it, it it is gone. And there's stories out there of people losing their password and millions of dollars being gone. But when my son told me, he said, "No, just went in, got it out, and you." You send it back to your bank account or or whatever it is. You just arrange. It's like a transfer transfer of funds. To me, it kind of and I I could totally be wrong. So when I go to uh, purchase stocks and then cash them back out, and I just say, "Yep, put it into my bank account," and boom, it's there. There it is. Fascinating. Yeah, he makes it sound so he makes it sound so easy, but I think the rest of us are very very confused. Completely. (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of like a craps table. You know that there's bets being made, money being won. You just don't have to figure it out how yet. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not the one winning it, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> um, right. Adam, oh, thank you for that uh, call. Uh, Adam, who is with Bitcoin Solutions, texting in. Um, and he says, hey, you can sell uh, Bitcoin anytime. We pay cash or check. Yeah, so there's all different ways to check it out. You can read about it. But again, there's different languages, almost like a different language that goes along with it that you have to wrap your head around uh, it. I think uh, we will have to get Adam from Bitcoin on here uh, again in the future and then maybe just really crunch it down with him because uh, I'm, I'm still kind of confused. Clear as mud, clear as mud. See what we've got online. To save time, you can search by make, model, and price. We have cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs from multiple brands. You can rent, buy, or lease for you, your family, or fleet. Go to drivingforce.ca. Engaging conversation with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chat, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Well, police in Calgary are investigating after a video surfaced of a man delivering a racist rant at a Calgary superstore. It happened uh, Saturday afternoon, was caught on a cell phone by a fellow shopper. That shopper, Steve Lemon, says it started after a clerk scanned an item twice, which appeared to anger the customer, who began yelling racial insults at the cashier when another person tried to intervene. There were pushes and more slurs. Here's a report from Global Calgary. (laughs) 
And so there, part of what was captured, the incident went on for some period of time. Uh, there were also uh, slurs thrown in there uh, repeatedly, I might add, mention, and a violent push towards one customer who tried to intervene and calm things down. Now, we do have comments from a community activist and also from Steve Lemon, who was so outraged by the incident, he started uh, filming it with his phone to make sure that people know what can happen in our city. He initiated contact. There was some comments that I, are, are not even close to newsworthy comments that were said. Um, after about five or six, the gentleman in line, the next customer, had said, you know, that's enough. Um, at that point, the, the employee was, was put behind the manager so the manager could continue to ring out the customer's order. And uh, it just, it didn't stop. He, had by at that time, was threatening behind the manager to meet the kid in the parking lot, threatened to rip his chain off his neck and jam it down his throat. Um, there is references to bomb making. There is references to things that are just atrocious. The fact that this person is not pursuing charges is a huge problem. It speaks to the bigger, bigger issue that uh, these racist incidents, these hate crimes, hate incidents are happening again and again and again, and people just don't have the courage to come up and and report it. Nobody will hear about it. The police won't have a report. Any of the activist group won't have a report, um, and it. It's all because it's almost like, you know, I'm so sick of it, I just want it to go away. But it doesn't go away. It gets more and more and more daring. And that's what we're seeing in this incident in Superstore. We now know that the man at the centre of the video has contacted police. They are meeting today. And we know that incidents like this aren't isolated to Calgary. Edmonton has seen its fair share, including a disgusting verbal attack late last year on our next guest, Jesse Lipscomb. Hi, Jesse. Hey, how are you, Jenny? Good. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, I'm guessing you weren't surprised or shocked when you when you saw this video or this story. I mean, I'm not surprised. I, I mean, I always am because I just have such high standards for humanity in general and so i'm more just disappointed as i see things like this but you know at the at the heart of the situation yeah of course it's not shocking this stuff does happen and there needs to be things that change in our everyday to start disrupting these types of behaviors so they can stop now the fellow on the tape did actually kind of pretty much what you suggested to do after uh the incident involving you uh, he he made it awkward he he stood up he tried to do something um your your thoughts about that well this, i'm good i'm glad you brought that up because sometimes there's some uh, uh i guess the misunderstandings of what i mean when we say make it awkward uh, and there's different ways to make it awkward but the number one piece is always making sure that you're safe taking care of yourself uh, and personal safety uh, but also finding out what are the tools that I can actually intervene in a safe and meaningful way. You know, one of our big ones is, you know, when people are trying to make it awkward in public, what should they do? You know, I, and we as Make It Awkward, advise not to actually go up to the attacker. We don't know who these people are or what their mindset is, but that doesn't also mean you just walk away and pretend it didn't happen. One of the things I would suggest is what you do is you go up to the victim, you befriend the victim, you make that victim understand that they're not alone because we get our hands tied and it's frozen and so... Hey, J Jesse, you're a little muffled. Yeah, I'm having troubles hearing you there. Okay. There. There, that's better. How's this sound? Oh, this that's much better. Yes, thank you. Oh, okay, good. All right, so this, what I was saying is, like, you know, oftentimes people feel like, yeah, making it awkward means you go up to the, to the attacker, 
and you, you confront them. And I, I don't think that's the thing to do. That's a little bit dangerous because okay. you don't know who that person is. But the key is go up to the victim, the person that you see is being braided with these, these horrible, hateful comments, and let them know they're not alone. Walk them away from the situation. How crazy would it be if this, this angry man is screaming to nobody? Because we've all left the situation. Mm-hmm. We've taken that person away. They know they're not alone. You know, we, we, the, the cashier is no longer working with them. And, of course, we have police. They're great. You make those phone calls while well, that's all happening. And, you know, you take the platform away from that person and put it on the person who's being attacked. That's what, that's what we would suggest. You know, it's it's interesting in in um, in cases like this one. You know, I was I think you probably saw a Facebook post of mine the other day that says, "Don't read the comments. Don't read the comments. Don't read." The <laughs> I know comments. it's so hard not to. And you try <laughs> it on, then you get sucked in, and you read the comments, and it just kind of <laughs> right. kicks you in the gut uh, again. And um, you know, even even today, I, I, you went through the same thing when that incident happened with you, and to this day, mm-hmm. people still call it staged, and mm-hmm. that it, that it was fake. Wait, people still call it staged. Yeah. That's, yeah. All right. Well, interesting. Yeah. Funny, right? You, you get something on video. First off, I tell you something happens. You're like, I don't believe it. Prove it. Then mm-hmm. you prove it on video, and they assume it's staged. By the way, you tell me one actor who would ever play that role. <laughs> I don't know who would ever want to be the world's most hated man in Edmonton, but as you were, Jillian. But, Jesse, did anything, did, were, 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 any information ever tracked down about these guys that, that I, did that to you? No, I wasn't interested in that. No. I mean, that was never a thing. It's not an eye for an eye kind of game. At the end of the day, if there's any kind of reach out, I would have loved to have a talk with that person. Because, yeah. you know, assuming he was born in Edmonton, and I was too, somehow throughout his life, he was conditioned to assume that that kind of type of behavior is okay, and I wasn't. How did that happen? What about the disconnect and actually be two humans talking and find out we're not that different? And if we could have done that, imagine how powerful that would have been a year later. Him and I are both talking to a group of people. You know, that's Absolutely. what I would like to see. Yeah. Well, you know what? The man who videotaped this incident in uh, in Calgary says he is getting threats online, being told to delete the video, not to talk to anybody else. Does that surprise uh-huh. you at all? No, I mean, this is the other thing that I've been noticing as well. Like, sometimes when I try to make do the right thing online and help other people's stories, you can't help what the other hundreds of thousands of people are going to say as a result of it. And it's, it's really, it's a tricky situation. But it's that idea of just, you know, doing what you know is right. Uh, and, and ideally, you know, the systems are hopefully set up to protect you. And, you know, this online system is so brand new. We're just kind of trying to figure out how do you deal with all of the trolls? Mm-hmm. How do you deal with all of the hate? And it's something that Make It Awkward's actually tackling as we speak. What is what do you believe is is fueling the hate? I have an, I have a number of different ideas um, because mm-hmm. part of me says you know that that hate has always been there, um, but now people have different venues to spew it with no repercussions whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think it's stemming from uh, initially from a lack of actual education about the you know plethora of different cultures and races that exist uh, in our where we live. That's the first piece. And then when you don't know a thing, you might be scared of a thing. And then we have fear there. And then you have all this you know whether you call it fake news or just random opinion based stuff that exists all over social media that might align with your fear. Then you. You latch onto it because it kind of looks familiar. And so now there's a misinformation that fits with your fears because of a lack of education. But I think it starts with education. I think part of it as well, and I'd be curious to know what you think about it. I just was asked not too long ago, a friend of mine was writing, I think, her master's thesis or something for her PhD for a journalism course. And she had asked me about some of the um, the disgusting texts that I've received through work from mm-hmm. listeners and about the reasons why I think that they happen and whatnot. I think part of it is, again, over the past number of years, and 
we, we've seen people in great power, whether it's at a provincial level, a federal level, um, a, a international level, um, speak to each other or speak to and about other people in ways that we've not seen in public at least before. And I think when you have people who are leaders, and they could be business leaders, they could be people in media, they could be uh, politicians, when we see that and no one is standing up to them, nothing's being done about that, it gives some people the belief that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you there. I mean, it's always the idea of, you know, representation and what you see. And if you, you know, if you see people who look like you or act like you, and it's, it's okay publicly, then I mean, of course, you start to think this is the lay of the land. Yeah. This is how we are. So I do think there's a, a special responsibility for people who are in the limelight and have a platform to be held accountable or held to a higher standard, really. Out of your incident, your uh, Make It Awkward uh, campaign was born and it grew and grew. Is it making a difference, Jesse? Yeah, I, without a doubt, it is definitely making a difference. And I, the, where, where I see it, I mean, threefold, really. I see it making a big difference in people asking for how can I help, what is it I can do, whether that's in schools like elementary, junior high, or university, or responses to incidents that happen, whether they're at hospitals or like at nightclubs and like, Mm -hmm. what can we do? And so, you know, we'll come in and bring in experts and have some workshops. Um, So it it definitely is. And it also gave like a a place for people to know that they can have their stories heard. So there's a community where you just, you can just tag hashtag make it awkward. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's a community there that will listen and talk and and be there to support you where others might just you know, scoff it off to it's not a big deal because this is how it is. So it's helping on a number of different levels and we're trying to grow that. And, you know, and it's because it must be at times, um, depending on how often it's happened to a person or who you are or how long you've been in a city or maybe it's happened once, maybe it's happened a hundred times, but I suspect that you can feel very, very alone. Yeah, that's exactly one of the main things that I think happens too. I mean, even with myself and I feel like, you know, I'm pretty progressive and I'm out there trying to make a difference but even myself like when it happens you do feel like you're by yourself even if it's in the crowd you could be at folk festival the busiest place ever and it's happening but you feel alone because we don't know how to deal with it we don't like confrontation as people so we either turn our backs away from it or somebody gets angry and both of those things just they really don't they don't really appease the situation and you leave feeling a you didn't say something and then b you're like i should have said something and i got it it's just compounds on top of each other yeah it's it's rough i want to get to the summit here in just a second but again i think it's important that we go back to something that you mentioned earlier about um you know making it awkward and how to you know, protect that person who is being, who's being attacked. It doesn't, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not about violence. It's about, it's about surrounding and supporting. It's 100% that. It's not about being a vigilante and trying to, you know, superhero the <laughs> bigots and racists in the world. But if, what it's about is human connection, right? And it's that idea that when you're being attacked verbally, it, you feel alone. And when you know that everybody walking by are not just extras in, in your own movie, but they're actually yeah. there and they're part, they, you know, it, it affects them like it affects you and they care. Like letting a person know you care and you wish this wasn't happening to them and not to worry goes so far yeah. to a person. Absolutely. You know, especially, you know, if you're a visible minority and you don't feel like anyone does and if someone reaches out like, don't worry about it, Just come, walk away, let's walk together. This is not how the whole world is. This is not how Edmonton, this is not how Calgary is. That's, right. That is an outlier, right? Absolutely. Jesse Lipscomb joining us this afternoon. Now, you have a huge event coming up. It's the first ever, and I love this, Make It Awkward Inclusivity Summit 2018. Mm -hmm. Tell Mm -hmm. us about this. 
Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it for sure. I mean, what we saw, I mean, in the first half of the of the year, it was a big R&D, research and development. What is What do people want? So we're just taking as much info as we can. And once we put it together, you know, we thought we'd get the best experts championing different marginalized communities across the world that have been doing it for years and years and bring them all to Edmonton so that we can all collectively go there and get the tools to understand how to be a better ally, how to be an everyday activist. So we're going to have speakers. Um, we have Sachi Cools coming, uh, Jane Elliott. She's worked with Oprah a ton. Got some, mm. some famous actors, Quentin Aaron, a bunch of people coming through. A lot of mayors. And it's going to be workshops, panels, discussions, um, a lot of great food, a lot of great music, mm-hmm. comedy show. It's for awesome. three days. We have a youth summit as well. Just so you know, the youth summit, we got got 100 free summit passes for kids age 12 to 18. Perfect. All they have to do is send us a video or an essay, and then we'll, we'll pick them, the best ones there, which is pretty exciting. Jesse, the website, if people want to find out more? Absolutely. It's www.miasummit.com. And, Jalen, one thing I want to toss on, because this is, like, super cool and revolutionary. We just partnered with BAT, B-H-A-T-T dot C-A, and what we're doing is Make It Awkward aims to clean up social media. We're creating bots that will identify discriminatory language and and then artificial learning. Learn how to talk to them and give them advice. The trolls are going to be so busy dealing with our bots, they'll have no time to mess with real people. Oh, Jesse, that's a brilliant idea. Good luck. They've got a lot of work ahead of them. I I agree, but they're robots. They don't get tired. (laughs) Take it easy. (laughs) Sometimes I think you're a robot too, Jesse. (laughs) Thank you so much. Take it easy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Thank you. Jesse Lipscomb joining us this afternoon. Checking on some of those prices for the Eagles show. A little pricey. A little pricey, someone's saying today. If it's uh, you're not the original lead singer, then is it just a cover band? <laughs> Are you going to go see the Eagles? And guess what? You know what? I think I might have some Eagle tickets to give away for you. Not today. Don't call right now. In the next little while. Some of your texts uh, coming in. Oh, Breeze keeping me on my toes in there today. Trevor says, I hope that hate-filled person has an employer who watched the news. And as mentioned, the fellow who went on that tirade um, yeah, meeting with uh, Calgary police today. We'll see what comes out of it. Um, Jeremy in Edmonton says, I think Jesse is wrong. The best way to deal with a bully, which is exactly what that guy was, is to bully the bully. Somebody needs to kick that guy in the face when he spouts off like that. Well, some guy, you know, did, and then he pushed him back pretty uh, pretty tough. Um, this one says, terrorism feeds hate. Someone says, good work, Jesse, good job. And another one, unfortunately, I don't think this is just a racist issue. I think this guy is so petty and self-centered, so talking about the guy who went on that tirade, that he could have lost it on anybody. And I like this one, too. I think it's okay to fire a customer, and they should have pressed charges. Yeah, they didn't want to press charges. And uh, this text, this violence is crazy. I think it's okay to fire a customer. Have you ever fired someone out of your life? Have you fired, not an employee, but someone who you would use? Maybe you broke up with your hairdresser, which can be awful. Maybe you um, had to break up with uh, your cleaning lady, or maybe you had to do something like that. It can be very, very difficult, even though somebody knows. So just try to think about it. Someone you don't know who's being all weird and violent. Um, 
In a culture that's been groomed over time, social tolerance and the broken window effect. Social tolerance, I mean turning a blind eye to the problem. What's tolerated and what's accepted. In this case, verbal threats and so on is accepted because we allow it. Leaving is the right idea. Bullying, threats, harassment occurs not only within the realm of public environment, but it also occurs at the top. Bullying, threats from the very government public figures... And he goes on to talk about uh, Slave Lake and about the issues that they're having there. He says, the broken window effect the general public sees that it's tolerated and so monkey see, monkey do in the last 10 years, Canada's become very intolerant and very violent. Look at the house in Ottawa. Poor examples from our leaders. Leave the rest to think it's acceptable and there's no accountability. I'd agree with that one. All right, a quick break here at 4 o'clock news with Eileen Bell coming up on the other side. Uh, Dave Campbell in with a look at sports. We'll take a look at your market your market numbers. And then we'll check in with our friends over at Global Edmonton as well. Stick around. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.